This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're listening to Sharmila Ganesan and Sharad Kutin. Tonight we're talking about how how does Finas decide what local movies are worth funding? This comes up. Uh, questions were raised about the quality and performance of a Finas funded movie. Uh, in particular, the uh, Victoria's Secret movie. I think that's caused a lot of uh, consternation among some people. Uh, so we'll be joined by Finas chairman, Dr. Kamil Othman, to discuss this. So if you have questions for him, send those through. And also tell us, what sort of local films would you like to see more of? You can call 77332 tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at Ayu Mobile number 018789 This is Inside Story. It is 6.07. You're listening to Inside Story with um, with Sharmila and Sharad. Uh, just a quick introduction before we uh, bring our guest on board. So uh, the root of our story actually um, comes from uh, a, a sort of, uh, I suppose, criticism, a controversy, one might say, that is swirling around one particular movie called Victoria's Secret. Uh, so Communications and Digital Minister Fami Fadzil has called for the Board of Directors at the National Film Development Corporation Malaysia, or FINAS, to study every aspect of production for films that they fund under the Digital Fund Initiative, including how the films perform. Now, this is coming because um, Victoria's Secret cost 1.5 million ringgit to make, received 550,000 ringgit from Finas, but only brought in 5,000 ringgit and uh, apparently had an audience of 346 people. Yeah, but you know, as we uh, said earlier, Shamila, there are a lot of good movies that don't get much in terms of audiences. Uh, is that uh, the ultimate, um, is the box office the ultimate arbiter of taste? Um, just to note also the role of Phoenix, I think a lot of people are not clear about it. Uh, Finas is there essentially, uh, um, I stand to be corrected, as an enabling agency. So it um, w- is tasked to, for instance, uh, establish Malaysia's favorable location for local and global production, um, to enhance the film industry's infrastructure and services and bolster the growth of skills and competent talent. And aside from financial incentives, uh, Finas also provides loan facilities, shooting equipment rental, film production facilities, Preview, ha- preview halls and studios. So there's a lot to unpack really and I am actually interested to get into um, particularly what you talked about, Shreya, because I agree, box office numbers alone are not indicative of a film being quality. But then I'd like to perhaps know whether then the quality is something that is um, assessed. Is there a feedback loop in terms of this money that's going out? Um, what is it being put towards, right? Um, so, as I mentioned, we will be joined very shortly by Dato Kamil Othman, who is the chairman of FINAS. Uh, if you have questions for him, send them through. Uh, but also share with us what sort of local films you'd like to see more of. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beating fickle mindsets. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It's 6.10. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we're talking about Finas's role in funding local film, uh, particularly in, uh, in terms of 
how they assess what gets funded and um, whether that's being put to good use, essentially. So we'd like to hear from you uh, on what sort of films you'd like to see more of, what sort of local films you'd like to see. Keep your thoughts coming. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, we have joining us today in the studio, Datuk Kamil Othman, the chairman of FINAS. Datuk Kamil, good to have you with us. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. So if you have questions for Datuk Kamil, you can send them through as well. Once again, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can tweet us at BFM Radio or WhatsApp or voice note us, 018-789-8899. So let's start with uh, Victoria's Secret, right? So it was funded by Finas. It bombed at the box office and it sparked this whole debate about the use of taxpayer money uh, as well as the role of Finas itself. What's your take on all of this? Well, I mean, uh, I suppose the most practical answer is that uh, filmmaking is about taking risks as well. So some films that you invest in makes money, some don't. So this could be the case, um, and generally this would be the case. Otherwise, I mean, if I could predict all the best-selling films and all the box office, um, how shall we say it, successes, I would be working in Los Angeles, actually. <laughs> I think some of the big studios, they would like me to crystal ball every time they've got a script coming along. But to be fair, um, the situation is simply the case of there's always a panel who would be selecting the films. Uh, now, one thing which is for sure, every time when the funds are open, and they open, I think, twice a year, many people will come claiming that they have masterpieces on their hands. That's typical, right? Because it's pitching time. Pitching time simply means everybody just tries their best. Uh, and it's not an easy task to find out which is the real McCoy <laughs> and which are the not-so-real McCoys because talking about an idea, expressing an idea is can be completely different from the way that you actually implement it. Uh, so generally, this is what happened. There'll be a panel who will listen. And depending on the quality of the pitching, of the presentation, they might say, yeah, sounds good. And that's where the early decision is made, whether it's a go or no go. Now, normally, what are the kind of subjects that would actually get through fairly easily? Anything to do with, um, let's say, if something is based on a book and that book is already a bestseller or the guy presenting it is a celebrity with a track record. Mm. Uh, we're not talking about someone you know, who just turns out of the blue. Uh, and the other thing is the subject matter at hand could be uh, based on um, historical or of national importance or something in our history that actually, um, you know, reinforces our cultural heritage and so on and so forth. So those are the things that that panel will look at. Now, I agree that this is a very highly subjective matter. So if you have four people in a panel, four people will probably see Mona Lisa in four different perspectives. And this is where sometimes we are successful and sometimes we are off the mark. Kamal, can I just ask you to elaborate a bit on the panel? How different is this panel in terms of composition or in terms of outlook from something in a commercial setup? Because I imagine uh, pitches go to um, 
uh, private money as well, right? Yes. Not just state money uh, when they're looking at funding something as big as a film. Uh, what is the difference between a commercial uh, kind of scenario and this particular one that's state-directed? Um, the panel, act, uh, they are normally is a combination of someone from the industry, maybe one or two. And by that, I would mean, let's say, a distributor would be in the panel, someone who distributes films. And then you would have the, of course, the FINAS uh, representative. And uh, you would also have uh, an academician sometimes just to see the aesthetic part. And normally these guys are from the film department or film faculty. So it's really a fair combination. But like I said, each would have their own scoring mechanism. But remember, at this stage, it's all about looking at the story itself. Not so much trying to say the com well, commercial potential is there. But like I said earlier, it's kind of hard within our context to sort of immediately say that this will be a box office success. And that's not. Uh, because generally, if, if I could just add a little bit more, what we have been looking at all this while is something like this. If someone comes along with a film about, let's say, uh, you know, um, the Malaysian um, army rescuing a submerged ship or somewhere in the South China Sea, and it involves helicopters, submarines, you know, machine, uh, machine guns, sound effects and all that, that would be given a much better hearing compared to someone who comes in with a story like, oh, it's all about a taxi driver in Kuala Lumpur. You know, he has his own demons to exercise and thinking all sorts of things. And suddenly he meets the son of a, of a refugee or Rohingya and then they form a relationship. Now guess which kind of film that will not get their attention is that one. So what we are trying to do right now is to get that panel uh, to be those who would be sort of accommodating to either uh, because, like I said, we couldn't crystal ball too much about how it can be. Anyway, the second stage after that is that these uh, applicants would have to show their scripts, would have to show their storyboards. They would have to give an idea about where the distribution is going to be. So, you see, all those criteria will have to be met before something is approved. So, I suppose I have a... a, a what might seem to be a philosophical question at okay. this point, right? Uh, because when we talk about is uh, what we want, what FINAS might want to fund, and I fully acknowledge that either story that you told could well be held up as an example of a great Malaysian film, depending on how it's made. That's right. What does FINAS consider to be a good Malaysian film? Currently, we would consider something that can go beyond our shores. So something with a story universal enough that Finas could actually bring to even Finland or Tierra del Fuego for there to be, have a market there. Uh, well, I mean, I know I'm exaggerating a bit, but the whole idea is... There's only penguins in Tierra del Fuego. That's right, but uh, <laughs> for as long as they pay... And love movies. <laughs> yeah, how rich penguins are. <laughs> yeah, rich penguins. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, um, that's the whole thing. Or at least I could say that currently, that is our focus right now. Because our minister has made it quite clear that FINAS has to be recalibrated. He didn't say it needs to be, you know, anything more complex than that. Recalibrate so that we can start producing quality films for export. Now, in 
in terms of implementation, and this is uh, well time because I took over the job since uh, March this year. It is all about looking back at uh, what you have touched upon earlier about what is routine and what is non-routine. So it means that we've got to align, for instance, the way even funds from now will be applied. Now, I must say, and this is not an excuse, that that controversy which you mentioned at the beginning of the show uh, is a result of uh, a previous um, SOP. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, at that time, the, it was supposed to be the, how shall we say it, uh, the most practical. But now we are going to go one step further by putting in some filtration processes because it is Finas's intention to nurture, identify filmmakers who are passionate about their work. Because remember, the grant system here has actually produced some who only have uh, that, that, uh, that idea that they can make films. But in reality, <laughs> they are better off you know, uh, doing something else. Okay, before we get into the question of the quality of our filmmakers, Kamal, I, I do want to ask you this. Uh, we speak about the industry and the role of government in the industry in particular ways in Malaysia. But is that something that's common across the, the, uh, internationally and across the globe? And when you see successful national cinemas or uh, successful industries, uh, you know, um, is that the setup? Is government as involved in those successful film industries uh, as we think they need to be? I think that Malaysia is uh, moving in that direction, uh, except that uh, it is now a matter of accepting this industry as an economic force. Right now, it is not, in my view. Well, it is recognized, but in what I call in a very laid-back way. Because if you look at countries like, um, let's say, Korea, the usual example, <laughs> right? I mean, the usual poster boy currently, and now Turkey. You see, what happened is that the government is not seeing this as just entertainment per se. It is the conduit around which or anchored around will be the country's aspirations. Soft to, power. Yes, soft power, yes. To export their food. They are, they are whatever manufactured goods, they are tourist destinations, yeah. they are music, they are literature. Because in Malaysia, all these components that countries like South Korea or Turkey or Australia or even the Philippines or even Singapore have actually acknowledged, we have not done that yet. And that is the integrative aspects of this industry. Remember, a film made is actually a combination of everything from dance, fashion design, music, photography. Everything is combined in one. That's why it's a seven art, right? Because it takes in all the components from all the other strands. In Malaysia, it is still seen as silos. They are seen as verticals. Music is a vertical. That's why the industry, in a way, it's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, going to some glitches right now, no royalties paid. Some people, you know, just don't know what's going on. Film is seen as a silo on its own and TV. Theatre is seen as another vertical and so on. 
So what should be happening is that all this should be integrated because you need elements and components from all of this. And we haven't even touched on the other related services. For films, you need accountants. For films, you need caterers. For films, you need um, what set designer from the architectural discipline. So it's all like that. So a study has, has never been done, or I think attempts have been made, but somehow because of the differing um, verticals. And also I think it's because they are now resting in different jurisdictions. I remember when I was with MDEC, we were dealing with animation, but animation was never seen as film because film was finas. Right. We do have a question from a listener who um, actually sent this in asking, uh, could you explain to us what FINA saw in Victoria's Secret that it, allowed, it, that it received funding? Uh, well, I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, You're the not best, personally responsible. Yeah, the best this. answer, I wasn't there. Um, but I can guess that what attracted to them was that this was a project uh, involving Badol, A.R. Badol, uh, one of Malaysia's... Um, legendary comedian mm. and the son of A.R. Tompel. Yeah. So I think uh, just on that uh, track record, um, I think there was some confidence that um, that uh, humour, that uh, comedy part, may be something that uh, the audience would still go for. Can I follow up that question with, you know, I think a lot of people are shocked by the amounts, right? 500,000 was mentioned in terms of what Fina's put into a million ringgit uh uh, million ringgit was the, the, was the total, budget, total. Yes, but is that a lot? Because I, I think you know, come on. In terms of global filmmaking costs, is five hundred thousand uh, a lot of money? Um, well, if you compare to US dollars, it's not even a hundred thousand <laughs> US dollars, right? Mm. And that is the cost of just the opening credits for some Hollywood films. Well, I think it's only half the cost of the opening credits of some. Uh, Hollywood films. But to be fair, this is what happens. The producers apparently lost money too. It's a one million thing. So you see, that has always been Finas's role, the support. Basically, uh, what happened, and I think this is quite typical, the producer would come with a film idea. He wants to make the film. He or she wants to make the film. But he's only got half the amount. And that's where Finas comes in. But before Finas does that, of course, there'll be a little, uh, you know sort of uh, pitching to find out a bit about the financial standing of the companies and so on. So uh, this is one of those things that we are trying to relate back to what we call the commercial um, prerequisites. If it's my own money, I would do it differently kind of thing. So maybe this time, this is what happens before uh, they even apply. They should know what they are applying for because now we have a reason to say or to ask questions like this. What's your target group? And uh, what's your market? And that means they would have now got to meet sales agents, distributor, and so on, so that they could answer all these questions as well, other than just the creative parts. And that's where the producer comes in. If you ask me personally, I think what we need to strengthen is that uh, generation of uh, producers, because they are the ones responsible for actually checking out the market. I mean, if I'm using my own money, I would ask you, you know, your film, I mean, where's your market? And the best way to answer it is that I've met, um, you know, so-and-so and 
or what we call letter of intent that a TV station or an OTT platform uh, has already given an LOI to, to stream it. So actually, speaking of that, we have a message from Zaki who says, in other grant programs, usually the grant provider will request for status updates from the receiver. There'll mm. be milestones attached. Does FINA's practice uh, require, does FINA's require the same level of reporting from recipients? Uh, yes, technically it's that, except that it's now done by a panel. That's why I'm now toying, toying around. I must admit, I'm toying around and with the idea of having producers it's my money, okay, well, it's Vanessa's money, but um, someone must be there to take care of my money, what it's being used for. Stay back at any film nowadays from the US or India, you watch the closing titles. How many accountants would you see there? There's even an accountant for visual effects. And there's a reason for that, because visual effects are now being outsourced to different parts of the world. So coming back to your question, that's one of the suggestions we are having. Because FINAS generally, after they have given the grants, normally you go back to arm's length. Because you are expecting the professionalism, the dedication, the monitoring is all performed by the production team. And that was a false uh, expectation that there needs to be much more hand-holding now, you think? Um, yes, I think, well, hand-holding and also to monitor to monitor a bit more right now, because I believe that it's not really the intention to fail. I mean, that's that's my personal belief. Uh, it's not the intention to fail. Something goes wrong along the pathway. And I can already say that uh, we have identified a little bits and pieces. One of it is marketing. Even the minister has mentioned it. We focus so much on production that we forget two things. Once when we've got the product, how do we make people know that it exists? Don't forget, Malaysia has another rule called the wajib tayang, which means that every film made here right, in Malaysia yes. will have to be shown by GSC, TJV and all the chains regardless of whether they like it or not. <laughs> or whether anyone actually turns up. Which is actually part of the criticism that the minister has made, right? right. That films shouldn't rely just on the compulsory That's right. Yeah. And yes, and he is absolutely right because this is the one that is seeping out the entrepreneurial part of this business. Because in other countries, if you make a film, if the exhibitor, you know, does not like it, that's it. It will never be screened. <laughs> and then uh, there you are, your own money, right? One million, good lord. I could have, you know, opened a restaurant or something. But here, because of the compulsory screening, which was actually set up for a very good reason, but which somehow today maybe needs a little bit of realignment. With that, your entrepreneurial drive is not as you know, as intense as it would be if you are in a country where there is no wajib tayang, where GSC would buy your film to be shown based on the story and uh, how much the audience will enjoy it. So we will be back after this with more uh, of Dato Kamil Othman, uh, Chairman of Finas. Do keep sending your questions and comments through. We are also asking you what sort of local films you'd like to see more of. You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. And keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9.
Beautiful festive moments. BFM 89.9, the business station. It's 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we are joined today by Datuk Kamil Othman, who is the chairman of FINAS. Uh, and we're talking about how FINAS decides where it gives out gives out its money. Uh, this comes, of course, from uh, some criticism that's been levelled at one particular movie, Victoria's Secret, um, for essentially getting a rather large uh, grant, but not really making back too much of a profit. So the minister, Fami Fadzil, has come out to um, call for better assessment along the line uh, when it comes to funding films. Um, so Dato Kamil is with us today to answer our questions. If you've got questions for him, you can send them through as well. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we've got a number of questions coming in. So let's uh, start with this voice note from uh, Lo. What about some independent movies? That have managed and gone on to win awards in international movie festivals, but have not been financed by Finas. Okay, the simple answer to that is uh, the latest sensation, uh, Tiger Stripes. Tiger Stripes, yeah. Yeah, it was funded by Finas initially. Uh, we funded the development fund, and uh, from there, but you see, that's the classic case of Amanda having a very good producer in Fay, So they're brought from what is basically a script to a script lab, and then they travel all around the world and assemble all their funds, and finally ended up in Ululangat and shot the film there. And they won the Grand Prix. Congratulations. I mean, we are studying their model now, because essentially that could be one of the models that we could adopt and whereas I know that they have used some of their money along the way, maybe that's where Finas should come in next to assist all the way until uh, the film. Right, and then Stone Turtle, I mean, it was, uh, I think, Finas funded part of it. Uh, but uh, the good thing about the independent films, and I must confess, I actually uh, believe that independent films will pave the way for Malaysia in many parts of the world through the film festivals. None of the big films we have have actually reached those that, that that level. But it's for different reasons. It's not intentional or it's not by accident. Art films are our flag bearers worldwide. They would appear out of the blue in New York, uh, Udine and uh, Blocano, Busan, wherever. But those markets are where talent is being discovered or they are mining talent because there's a lot of demand for Asian or Asian-centric content these days, even from North America. So that's what it is. And most of these guys are there to create names for themselves because if they've got a award-winning film, then it's easier for them to sort of move one up the ladder. Compare this with the other domestic-centric producers. Nothing wrong with them. They are making it mainly for the domestic market. And uh, they will be satisfied with uh, the 30-odd million people here if, if everyone watches it. Mat Kilau was a good example. Although I must say that the crowd that went for Mat Kilau wouldn't be the same crowd that would watch Imaginor, yeah. uh, for instance. You know, we are having some you know, some good analysis there, uh, which uh, we can't unravel too much because I don't have the facts. But coming back to independent films, yes, Finas is 
I mean, supporting them. Yeah, supporting. Come on, is there, does Finas not get enough credit for those kinds of yes. successes? Well, Finas is only known for its some of its not so successful ventures. <laughs> Why is that? Because Do you have uh, a comms problem. Oh, no, no, because we are a favorite uh, punching box to the <laughs> industry. Everything that's wrong with the film industry is Finas's fault. They love it. And because we also know it, so we have sort of becoming a bit immune to the whole thing. We just wait. I mean, there was a so film. So this is a kind of S and M uh, quality to uh, this relationship yes, with the industry, yes, is it? Yes, right. Except that I don't like to be tied up, you know, in the real sense you're, of the word. You're a masochist, yeah, but okay. metaphorically. I, uh, yes. Let's yeah? let's end with this metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then you see, Finas has always been sometimes being accused of only the uh, the negative. Uh, well, I mean, assumptions, right? Even sometimes people are still confused that uh, whether we are the censor board. Every time a film gets censored, they would say, us, you know, cutting this, cutting that. But that's not our job. I mean, we have a censorship board. But what we do is that uh, we are actually like silent heroes. We actually lubricate the system. Because the better question is that, what would happen if there is no Finas? Now, I can tell you for sure, very few films would get made. You would be surprised that many films in this country couldn't have been made without Finas. And that is also a weakness because in other countries, it would have been the commercial sector, the private sector that would help drive this along. But here, Finas have to carry it on its own weight by virtue of the fact that try getting a loan from a bank, for instance. And that's why I'm talking to the bank or rather one of the things that the minister wish we would do is to try and open up private investment for this industry. Now, to do this, you need to have very world-class, export-centric films. And guess what? Co-productions is one of the answers. If I make a film together with uh, India, I have a big name there and a big name here, I already have a market automatically in two countries. And oh. if I make a film with China, I can have uh, you know some sort of a deal. And I, I believe, I believe uh, that co-production is the way to go. What about the platforms like Netflix? Uh, yes, I mean, those are what I call an individual decision between the producer and, and Netflix. So you see, sometimes the Finas limitation is that, uh, well, I wouldn't say limitation, I mean, our boundary. I mean, at the time when we only give the support, then it is up to the ingenuity of the producer as a businessman to now exploit. I mean, exploit can be in many forms. Uh, you could have some for the cinema. You could sell some for, you know, for mobile or whatever. And don't forget, the world is carved up into different markets. Okay, why is it that Pulau, who didn't make so well here, is now the number one box office hit in Cambodia? Because it was dubbed into Khmer. You see, it's a combination of a clever producer. Well, I wouldn't say clever, but a business-minded producer and a good distributor and some good a &P. Those are the things that I think uh, that we need to work on uh, a bit better. So the challenge, of course, is that when we talk about the film industry, a local film uh, cannot compete against a Mission Impossible 7, which is sure. currently blazing through our cinemas, right? Course, yes. So when you talk about needing local filmmakers and producers to be more entrepreneurial, I hear you, but... 
where is Finas's role in terms of um, playing that balance between, because if left to their own devices, none of the cinemas would show perhaps an Imaginor or a Spilt Gravy, which actually had its run cut short because of box office um, mm. giants. Mm-hmm. So how would Finas play, uh, that, play well, that line? Right now, Finas has more power than what it is exercising at this moment. And we are looking at it. And by a power, I'm not talking about Superman or <laughs> Spider-Man type. Uh, I'm just referring to the fact that there are some more authority that are embedded within the act, which we are also reviewing at this moment, uh, because that's what the minister wants to do as part of the recalibration process. Um, well, uh, it it is an ongoing way. And to answer your question from that angle is simply this. Finas's role is to make sure that content is being produced. So there are two types, there are two groups there. One are the first timers. So that's why now, for the first time, we are having a first time filmmaker um, scheme. Uh, even that needs some, I know some will complain about it, but uh, we have to refine it. Fame is called fame for your information. Secondly, to get a production license at one time to make a film, you need to have a Cinderella Brahat. We have actually included the sole proprietorship. Uh, what do you call it? The RO... ROS? ROS uh, uh, companies? Yes, it's, it's not the Sunan Brahat. It's the one where it's a sole proprietorship kind of thing. Mm. So that means you're a graduate. You know, before we knew there was a problem to have a Sunan Brahat, to have a 20,000 uh, paid up capital, authorized capital and all that. So those are the early moves that we have made to open up. So basically, just like Asia, we can say, now everybody can make a film, but we better see it now either as something to be worried from the regulation point of view or from the creative point of view. So that's the other challenge we have, that balance. Because remember, Finas is both regulatory in terms of its licensing and its permits and so on, as well as the creative part. Because we're also trying to nurture a new generation of filmmakers that sees film, not just for the cinema, but getting ready for anything that requires uh, audiovisual content, including TikTok, YouTube, and uh, God knows whatever. It may even be a hologram, you know, a hologram <laughs> style later. So with all this technology coming on, we are just focusing on the medium less than we are focusing on the creative part <laughs> because the technology will come. They will come. And don't get confused. Some people say, oh, it's a virtual production now. Yeah, yeah, virtual production. But still, if it's a story that's not so good, it will still become a not-so-good story. So I would prefer to say that Finas will be focusing on nurturing the new talent of Malaysians. And that's why it is uh, imperative that we focus on the independent side. Not because they are independent. They are independent now, but sooner or later they'll go to mainstream anyway. Remember James Taylor, Jackson Brown? (laughs) <laughs> you know, you begin as independent, hungry musician, buskers. And later when Asylum wanna sign you up, first of all, the songs become not so interesting. <laughs> so you need a hungry artist to produce good works. Anyway, our other uh, focus will be on short films and to encourage schools all around the country to have uh, what we call video competitions. Because that's the only way to mine talent. And we have to link between the winners of this competition to the grants in Finas. So in short, I mean, if it's just a small school in, um, in Parit Bunta, that guy should not end. That guy or girl should not end with just the first prize goes to so-and-so. 
we will try to take their say and ask them if you can make that for three minutes. How about 30 minutes now? And that will be followed by a process of training. Because one thing about Malaysians, sometimes I think 30, 40 years of this uh, grand culture has not created the right entrepreneurial um, sort of drive in most. So we have to go in and explain and expose them to things like exposure. Example, if we do have a budget, I mean, what's wrong sending 60 winners to Australia to watch uh, how they make uh, 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 about a $500 million film? Mm. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Because it's not just technology. It's about the way you actually um, deploy that technology. We will be back after this with more. Uh, Datuk Kamil Othman will be staying on to answer your questions, so keep sending them through. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you are listening to Inside Story and we are talking about FINAS, how they fund films and uh, what more we'd like to see from them. That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. You can WhatsApp us or send us a voice note, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Books, figurines, movies. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.52. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we are continuing our conversation with FINAS Chairman, Datuk Kamil Othman. Uh, so we're getting plenty of interesting questions from our listeners. Uh, we have this from uh, on Twitter from Feistgeist. Yeah, so Feistgeist says, uh, it's great that government funding is being channeled towards East Malaysia. Uh, since uh, we're seeing more Borneo Malaysian-made films in theatres now, is there, however, more uh, political will to introduce those films to audiences in the peninsula? No, certainly. Yes, I mean, uh, if we use the good film, interesting film as a, you know, as a measurement, yeah, it doesn't matter where it originates, whether it's from Sabah, Sarawak, or from, uh, you know, or from what we call Semananjong. Uh, but uh, that inter uh, well, the interrelationship is already happening right now. I've just seen some short films made by both uh, Malaysian studying in Unimas together with the Sarawakian. I just came back from a, um, a competition uh, two weeks ago in Kuching where students from Unimas were producing wonderful stuff. And a week earlier, it was in Kota Kinabalu, wonderful graduates. But again... This is where it interests uh, me and, of course, Finas indirectly. This is where we are discovering the talent, the one that we say we are going to try our best to propose what we call green lanes because these are people who we shouldn't leave them aside uh, because, uh, you know, they might become, uh, you know, accountants instead, you know, lawyers, you know. Heaven forbid. Heaven you know. forbid, yes. <laughs> More lawyers in the That's world. That's right. We have enough of this damn, you know, lawyers and uh, you know, engineers and accountants. What we need now are great storytellers. And especially from the Borneo side, you imagine the rich diversity there is enough to, to do many, many things which are still culturally correct, but which are different from what Semananjung may perceive, right? So it's high time Semananjung also noticed that some of the folklore from that side is a bit if they consider it out of orbit, that's fine. But it's still, it's culturally correct. And likewise. So uh, this is where uh, one of the things that we are talking about is if those films from Borneo, I mean, when they are made, they are still going through the same process, right? They need a permit from FINAS and all that. So it's all a commercial thing right now for them to 
bring them over here and they would still get the wajib tayang the same way as, as here. So maybe for this, it's a distributor's kind of thing, producer, distributor. And where Finas will come in is to actually assist in matching the producer with the right distributor. Because Finas itself is not a distributor. Mm. We can only open doors. We have, I think we have time for this voice note. This is from Adli. Okay. Assalamualaikum and greetings to Dr. Kamil and to the beloved host. I hope you guys are doing great over there. And I want to share certain things when it comes to the recent fiasco of the Victoria Secret film slash Finas that had went viral for the past couple of days. Now, um, to begin with the context, my friends, a lot of them are storytellers and um, writers that they've, they've been trying to get some help and uh, pitch a lot of stories to Finas over the past few years, All right? Um, not a lot of luck so far, but um, our biggest uh, like disappointment is when we didn't get when we didn't get the grant or um, the stories they pitch, you know, didn't get approved. Not much feedback. We wish we could have received more feedbacks when it comes to why our stories didn't meet the criteria that they wanted from FINAS. That would have been very, very helpful, not, not just um, in filtering better films in the future, but also, you know, some constructive advice that could overall help us to pitch better stories to FINAS in the future. That's it. Um, that's it. That's all I want to say. Thanks. Right. Thank you. I mean, thank you. I mean, it's a very valid point there uh, because uh, the board, the Finas board has instituted recently that, um, that um, for the creative community, just a simple answer that says, no, you're not successful is not enough. They need that constructive criticism to prepare them for the next wave. Uh, so the good news is uh, we will now, from the next tranche uh, of the, the funding, uh, we're going to have two new things, two new initiatives, or call it measures. The first is that before you even apply for the fund, you've got to go through a workshop, a little workshop that refreshes you about things. Just to put you up to speed, but it will cover that whole ecosystem. You may be only be uh, applying for the production, but you should also know about what pre-production is all about and marketing. Remember I was telling earlier that sometimes we miss out. I mean, we are so obsessed with the production side, we forget about the marketing and the A&P. So that will be the first. Then secondly, uh, we are also putting in this thing about uh, when they come in to apply their funds, they would only have distributors. Um, well, they are, contact, they are connected with distribution so that they will know their market. You know, answering questions like target groups and all that. Uh, you know, if you want to make a comedy or a tragic comedy or a horror film, I mean, you must tell me, uh, you know, what's the age group? Uh, because horror to 18 and above is, you know, the Sisu type, just different altogether from, mm -hmm. you know, pre-teens or something. Uh, so in other words, we're just trying to make everybody a bit of a, you know, um, uh, well, a smart 
smart ass. <laughs> more thoughtful about yes. the, what, of their processes. As, yeah. as, as we think we are, because we also try to be smart asses, yeah? And the way we do it is this. We will share. It's no longer about I know this knowledge, I don't. And we are going to utilize or ask for the help of local filmmakers who have made the great example. People like uh, Amanda or Amir Mohammed would be calling with all your, you know, little, um, you know, ideas. Well, I call them little, but actually they're big. Share it with the filmmakers because they're making a similar kind of film like Raw, you know, or maybe Amanda or uh, Faye could explain that whole process from KL to Berlin to Rotterdam to Paris to Doha, even Doha Film Institute funded their movie. So isn't it interesting to find out how they did it? <laughs> so yeah. Finesse is involved in basically uplifting the, yes. the, the industry. Right, because in the very first place, that script wouldn't have been given any chance of life if there had been no grant from Finas. Hold that thought. We'll be back for more on that. Uh, we'll continue our conversation with Dato Kamil Othman. But keep your questions and comments for him coming and keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Building First World Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is just coming up to 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Sharad. And we are continuing our conversation with FINAS Chairman, Datho Kamil Othman. Um, we are, of course, speaking with him uh, because, well, anyway, our conversation started with Victoria's Secret uh, and a call for um, better accountability, I suppose, with the grants being allocated for filmmaking. Um, and so we've We've getting a number of questions on that. If you have questions or comments for Kamil, send them through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, there's a question here from Zoe who's asking, why is Finas giving out grants? A more responsible way of using the funds should be giving out loans. If the film is successful, then convert the loans to grants instead. Aha, uh-huh. with somebody called Zoe. Yes. Uh, did you hear that from someone? Or Well, anyway, Zoe, thank you. Because you have read my mind. Because I'm using the scholarship system here, whereby a scholarship becomes a loan until the guy then uh, hits the big time with his good results, high CGPA and all that. Then it's converted to a... But we need to study the impact of that. Uh, because uh, although it is... Theoretically, it looks good. And I like it. I actually like the idea because it will put in that entrepreneurial drive that we said was uh, typically missing from the normal application uh, system. Uh, But there would still be some. I would not use that mechanism for development. Maybe I would use that for production uh, because production implies that you are ready to produce. Whereas development, when you are still being nurtured, uh, we could agree on a small sum and it's a grant, a straightforward grant. Uh, I have a case once where that guy was uh, an employee with a bank and he applied, good story, and all he said was he wanted his one month salary because he's going to take leave without pay. Right. So that's it, fine. And he came up with a good, uh, with a good stuff later. Uh, the only thing is that the story was kept on hold because uh, he didn't go into the production side of things. But uh, yes, if he's listening in, you know who you are. 
Uh, just come back. <laughs> we have a uh, tweet from Nedo Khan. Um, it's in BM. I'm going to sort of roughly okay. translate. Uh, so uh, they're saying the most important thing is transparency in the list of films that get the mm-hmm. grants. You know, recently there was uh, a lot of pitching that uh, where we all got rejection letters without a score, without feedback, just a plain no. Mm. So I want to know who got it so that we know what Finas uh, yes, is looking yes. for. Uh, the, uh, the, the last of the uh, successful and the not so successful list is being drawn up now and I think in a, in a couple of weeks we will probably um, post that on the FINAS website yes the minister has made it clear these things have to be transparent now they are going to be posted so we're not running away from that uh, the only thing right now is um, it's not the final list yet because there are still some that are being assessed and evaluated but rest be assured it will be posted Okay, so we there's a question really about the bigger picture where government wants you know the industry to go, where the agency you know thinks its uh, mission is. So uh, after Michelle Yeoh won the Oscar, there was this whole uh, reigniting of a road to Oscar kind of conversation. But is this obsession with Oscars misplaced? And you know, Camille. What would be a better way of reframing the question of excellence? Mm-hmm. Well, Oscar, I think, just stands as a metaphor, really. It's the road to greatness, the, the road to good quality films for export as the mandate that we have now. Uh, yes, you're right. Um, this obsession with Oscar, I think it's just like um, trying to put into some very clear, you know, in clear form, what are our shortcomings? It's not that we can't get to Oscar or to the Palme d'Or, Cannes or whatever. It's just that there is something fragmented about this industry that requires a bit of uh, looking at. So, Road to Oscar, you mentioned how do we get things going. We touched upon it earlier about the way that even the components of the industry are currently being siloed, right? I mean, why separate music from films? Films need music, and music needs films to push them along. I mean, classic cases, right? Hit songs from Titanic and all that. I mean, all one helps each other. And then what about uh, photography and all the sciences that come with it? Why do we call Academy Awards about the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences? Because technology is part of it. So the longer we take to integrate these elements cleverly, then we're going to have the same problem that we have right now. So the point, the point about fragmentation, I think there are actually a, a few components there, right? So firstly, of course, film would sit under communications and digital currently. Yes. Uh, and then, of course, arts sits under tourism. Uh, there's long been this call for um, a, a, a ministry of arts and culture, mm-hmm. which hasn't materialized. Is this suboptimal in some sense? Is it time to have one ministry that could um, unify all of these? Well, Perhaps uh, it is timely, uh, but if we can't reach that stage, there's also other ways to actually have all this thing sort of under one roof. And it could be a council, I mean, for all we know. I mean, like uh, if you look at Great Britain, uh, in England right now, there used to be the uh, uh, UK Film Council. But now they have um, the uh, what they call Creative England, a very broad tagline. No difference from what Korea used to have, which is uh, culture, content, export policy. Okay, I mean, I can't help sort of 
Just <laughs> going back to Korea. Going back to Korea again. <laughs> well, south in, at least. South in the Korea. year of our Lord 2001, we were in Seoul. We were given a briefing by the Korean government on their new policy at that time called Korea Culture Content Export Policy. That is at the highest level, which simply says, brothers and sisters, we have to export Korean culture. I mean, that was the basis, right? After that, it's a bit like saying, hey, film industry, I don't care how you do it, but remember, we've got to export our culture. Speaking of export, no. since we have a, actually a message from John. John says, does Venus fund other language films, I guess, other than Basa Malaysia? Namely has produced several well-received movies. If looking at the China market, they showcase the country. So I guess it's this, we're going to export, where are we going to export it to? What language should we be operating mm-hmm. in? Well, this is where the marketing, the creativity in the marketing thing will come. And that's why we are talking to a lot of marketing people. Uh, because they are the ones who could teach us. You know, one thing I've actually uh, put into the culture now is that we will know better tomorrow. So today we are not so clever and we can keep on learning. Okay, Chinese language films. I mean, uh, Finas have been funding uh, Chinese language films. I mean, we've got one from Sabah, a very good one called The Rise of the Lions. I mean, that was completely in Cantonese and in uh, the ethnic dialogue as well. Because when we talk about Malaysian cinema, that's what it is. And of course, um, Indian uh, films, Tamil films. But still, in the case of Pulau, it was a Malay film. I mean, Malaysian film with bits of English here and there. But still, you need to dub it into Khmer in order to get to the Khmer market. So you see, this is how marketing uh, plays with the situation. So I think... John's question, though, does come from a perception issue that mm-hmm. Venus also suffers from. Um, and I think it, it has also ties in with this notion of fragmentation because mm-hmm. the other fragmentation, of course, that our film industry has is that of language mm-hmm. um, and of, well, of race as well. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering whether there is that perception that Finas is perhaps more inclined to support Malay language films, mm-hmm. uh, Malay language uh, cinema, Malay community, essentially. Right. And that's where these sorts of doubts are coming from. Mm. Well, generally, because Bahasa Malaysia is the official language for Malaysia, of course, that is the priority. But if you see films like One to Jaga and Fly by Night and all that, you're already seeing that element of where if 60-70% of what we call the Malaysian, I mean the Malaysian uh, way of communications, you'll find that that language uh, has been accepted right now to be classified as a Malaysian film, eligible for the grant, eligible for the wajib tayang, and so on and so forth. Recently, I saw two Tamil films. One was called The Piano and the other was a Longhouse film. Uh, which was the first Guinness Book of Records for the single shot. I think it's called Clubhouse. These are all, you know, under Finas's Wajib Tayang and all that. So basically, it's already there. Now, what is needed right now is to go back to time of uh, P. Ramli where films are made, where it's not a matter of uh, whether you're a Malay, Chinese or Indian who go and watch the films. Now, P. Ramli, for instance, everybody knows P. Ramli. Now, that is our holy grail. That is what we are trying to find out, whether anyone can come up with some film, somehow or other, that could bring everybody back. Because today, the truth is, Malay films are still being made by Malays for the Malays, although there have been some crossovers. Uh, Tengku Mona has recently directed a film in Cantonese called Rain Town. So, good sign. 
Camille, just very quickly, you know, uh, often filmmakers go to other material, other genres. They go to uh, novels. They go to short stories to find those um, the stuff for their films. Do we do enough of that? I mean, uh, are our novelists and our writers, our short story writers, are they producing enough to inspire our filmmakers? Good question, because that's the other fragmentation. Because books are right now like orphans. They are now like music without parents, right? So they're still sort of hovering around here and there. But you are right. 90% of American films are all based on books, right? Don't believe. I mean, for the listeners who do not believe me, just watch uh, Netflix, all the films there, and you will see in the opening credits that it's always based on a book. Whereas Malaysia is still about going to Coffee Bean and trying to get something original out over, you know, two dozen latte or something. So... uh, (laughs) The point is, yes, there is a disconnect there. And guess what? In Finas's funding, we allow options. If you are getting a book option, it is part and parcel of your um, funding, of your costing. But why aren't people doing that? I mean, that's, I suppose, uh, what? In the first place, whether how many of us actually read books nowadays? So if you were to make a film out of a book by, let's say, Salina, Samad, uh, Samad Said, Samad Said, or Patah Sayap Terbang Juga, Samad Ismail. Uh, is there a market? So that's why that, that research, that, that connection with marketing has to be done. Because for all you know, there is a market for this. But we haven't tested it out. I mean, when Lucas came out with Star Wars, I mean, were people ready for, you know, a robot that walks around like, uh, you know, someone who's just had hernia for, you know, <laughs> two weeks, you know, right? But it happened. So what, what, what I'm saying is that we must, Finas from now, must not be uh, worried about going into uncharted waters. But within limits, of course, within limits of what we can, we can do. Uh, well, at least I can say that while I am there, I mean, this is what I hope to get some collective, some consensus with the team. That the only way to recalibrate ourselves is actually to go out of the box. 40 years. I mean, I think Finas has been operating more or less in the same (laughs) fashion. Because if we judge by the criticism... It looks like we are still the same. Okay, so you talk about risk, right? So we have some a film like Mantega Terbang. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it it is it screams, it has a chilling effect. What happened to Mantega Terbang and its people, the people behind it? How do you say to Malaysians and Malaysian creatives that they can explore the you know everything that is that is that they feel passionate about when this is the kind of response they get? And very little protection for them. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, okay, I'm, I mean, what I feel about the film and films like that is uh, something along these lines, right? Um, In the first place, when it was made, there was no license from Finas, meaning that it was the intention of the filmmaker not to have it, you know, uh, shown theatrically. It's almost like you are doing your own uh, video of your children's birthday party. Do you need a Finas license? You don't. But of course, in the other way around, in the case of Mantega Terbang, yes, he didn't apply for the license. So as far as Finas is concerned, the film doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, that's not an excuse. Yeah, it, it's true. It doesn't exist because he doesn't have a permit to make the film. But what happened was when it went into view and all that, it created, you see, a year later, it wasn't immediate. But before that, it was going to the university circuit and all that, meaning 
it has a targeted market of people who can perhaps think, rational people. So maybe that was the purpose of the filmmaker. So it just so happens, unfortunately, a bigger audience through that uh, OTT channel has resulted it in it being seen by people who are not so uh, rational, uh, people who are far more sensitive than than, than us, and, and and that's the response they get. Because this kind of what I call mob hysteria is always uh, in history. There's always that. Remember a film called The Exorcist at one time. Yeah, I was, Blair. Yeah, I was a student in England at that time, and the only reason why I wanted to see it was because Mary Whitehouse was protesting in front of the cinema. <laughs> so it's like you know, but I am that kind. The more you protest, the more I go. Uh, so, but the answer lies in this other thing called our education system, and I've always put this point across. Creativity, yes, it is not something that, uh, you know, you decide, I want to become creative. Creativity is not just confined to the artists. We would love to see creativity in engineers, in accountants and everything, because that's how that whole thing sort of works. You see, an architect who is creative or an administrator who is creative would not sort of give the go-ahead for a sculpture to be dismantled. They would prefer to have, you know, graffiti instead of worried about walls that are blank. They would hire artists to, you know, like what's happening in Europe. In Malaysia, I think that's the one shortcoming that we have. We have not put in this creativity component. And yet, when I was schooling in the 1960s, I thought they were doing it well. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm that creative, but even from uh, standard three, standard four, you're already curious about things that are creative. You begin to get uh, history. I remember every time you go to a historical site, you would put your hands there and say, God, what would it have been like if I had been there 500 years ago when it was still thriving? You see, these are the small, small things that finally adds up. But I thought it was creativity at that time because poetry was something that you have when you are in Standard 3. Standard 4, Robert Louis Stevenson. It was only me who was complaining, what nonsense am I having to memorize? <laughs> But in later years, it becomes, that's the part. So today what we have is, creativity is the letter silo. It's only meant for the artists, for the guys with the, you know, with the, the long hair, just like hippies. I mean, I mean I'm an ex-hippie, right? <laughs> so, uh, whereas, remember, it's love, peace and understanding, the three best, you know, sort of uh, philosophical uh, sort of, uh, you know, taglines. Uh, but in Malaysia today, the creativity part, I think, have been somehow have been lost. And the fact that social media is also on the rise means that we are contributing to a further erosion of that creative acceptance. Because what social media has done is to bring mama talk at mama shop to a higher level <laughs> and without even seeing each other. And you know, Malaysians, when you want to discuss things, you would hantam uh, only. The facts can come later. <laughs> I knew this for many, many years already. But if we accept that, then that's the nature of things. Dr. Kamil, unfortunately, we are out of time. But thank you so much for joining us today. Yep, most welcome. We've been speaking with Dr. Kamil Othman, Chairman of FINAS. Keep your thoughts coming and uh, keep it here on BFM 89.1. 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9. The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.